Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, for the last several weeks, the Lord has had us really camping out on these family dynamics. Several weeks ago, in chapter 5, verse 22, we touched on wives, and then uh, the following week on husbands, and then the following week, children. That's from chapter 6, verse 1. Wives, chapter 5, verse 22. Husbands, chapter 5, verse 25. And then uh, for the children, uh, 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 chapter 6, verse 1. And it's so beautiful how we have these aspects of the family dynamic, but then at the same time, exhortations for uh, a family, exhortation for individuals within a family. But I also have to say something to my beautiful brothers in Christ whom I love, the men. Do you remember how when we touched on the men, when we looked at in chapter 5, verse 25, and you heard the, uh, 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 we made mention of the fact that when you see this formula applied in men and homes, uh, that this is pastor material, you're looking at pastor material. Now, it's absolutely true. That when you see that applied, when you see that in a home, when you see that in uh, 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 the leader of the home, which is the husband, the male, when you see that, it is true that it is uh, the makeup of, uh, there's pastoral qualities there. But I also have to give an exhortation to my beautiful brothers. Do not be discouraged if you have that. But the Lord has not called you into pastoral ministry or elder ministry. Don't be discouraged. It, I mean, it, 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 don't think of pastors and elders as like the ultimate calling. No, what's so powerful with the Lord is that the most beautiful walk that anyone can have, male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter. The most beautiful walk that any soul can have is one that is obedient to the Lord. Now, it could be that the Lord calls you into pastoral ministry, elder ministry, music ministry, XYZ ministry, whatever. But that's his calling. That's on him. He's he's the head. He calls the shots. Whether he does that with you or not, Praise be to the Lord. I don't want you to be discouraged, my beautiful brothers, if you're like, wow, you know, you know, I'm obedient to the Lord. I do these things. I live life to honor the Lord. You know, I love my wife sacrificially. I, I, you know, my kids, I honor them. I love them. And, you know, we're obedient to the Lord. But here I am, you know, here I am, you know, the Lord hasn't called me into pastoral ministries, so I'm just, you know, I'm a bum. I don't want you to think that way. Satan might say that, but I don't want you to think that way because the ultimate, ultimate form of beauty for any of us is abiding in Christ, obedience unto him. So, don't be discouraged when we when we touch on these subjects and you know you hear us mention that you know when you see these things applied when you see these things in a home and a life that you're looking at pastoral you know qualities it is absolutely true it's you you see the the recipe of a future pastor it's absolutely true I and mean, we're going to study this when we get into the pastoral epistles when we get into Titus and the Timothys 
We're going to reference these passages in Ephesians, Ephesians 5, uh, for the men, for the women, for the children. We're going to see the dynamics of a home. And when that's off kilter, when it's not, uh, when it doesn't align with this, uh, with, with what the scriptures teach, then pastoral ministry cannot be. Cannot be because of the disconnect in a home, because of the disconnect in the lives. Because remember, pastors, they have a responsibility for order in the fellowships, but then at the same time to feed the flock of God, to protect the flock of God, everything in obedience to the word of God. And you see marriage now as like training ground for pastoral ministry, the Christian home. Children unto parents, wife unto husband, husband unto Jesus Christ. And you have like a like a mini church. You see, husbands as pastors of the home, spiritual leaders of the home. Now, there's disconnects that abound in these last days. Disconnects abound. You know, husband goes off into crazy town, wife goes off into crazy town, you know, wife in submission to you know to husband goes they go go off into crazy town, and you look at the spiritual, not the head. But you look at the spiritual point. Who takes point in this house? Optimally, it should be the husband. But when husband goes off into crazy town, wife goes off into crazy town, sometimes who takes point in that home is sometimes the kids. And you have the exhortation that we had last week, the study for children. But don't be discouraged if, you know, what's so powerful is if you don't have this. If you don't have this, if, if we, as much as we exhort, we study the scriptures and, and you're like, man, you know what? I don't have this. You know, I myself, I'm in crazy town. Or, you know, if you're a husband, I myself is, I'm in crazy town. Or me, a wife, I'm in crazy town. Or me, a kid, I'm in crazy town. Or you might be point in your home and you're like, man, dad's in crazy town, mom's in crazy town, or whoever you are, understand that our identity is in Christ. And then when we abide in Christ and yield to him and yield to his word, something supernatural happens. The Lord starts to fix things. The Lord starts to put things into place. He starts to correct. He starts to do this supernatural moving. It's not like, you know, like a therapy session where it's like, okay, you know, let me listen to your problems. You got these problems. Okay, take this Prozac. Take this, you know, antidepressants. Take the No, it's not. It's supernatural. That's the carnal mind. You know, going to a, a carnal doctor, going to a carnal therapist to get carnal advice, advice according to the world. But you might be a mess. You might be a complete and total mess, but you believe in Jesus Christ and you love the Lord. You might not fear him yet. And I'm reminded of myself. Don't be discouraged if that's you. If your present situation, whether it be you or those in your home, if it's just crazy town abounds, you, my beautiful friend, you yield to the Lord Love the Lord, yield to his word, and learn the fear of the Lord. Because when you do that, something supernatural happens in your heart. Remember, the Lord does the work in you, and then he does the work through you. But supernaturally, you'll, you'll start to see things. 
you'll start to notice things where it's like, oh my goodness, look, you know, like, you know, my, my wife was in crazy town and she's not in crazy town anymore. Or, you know, my husband was in crazy town and he's not in crazy town anymore. My kids are crazy and they're not crazy anymore. Or my mom and dad are crazy and they're not crazy anymore. It's supernatural. That's called the hand of God. The hand of God. A lot of Christians, well-meaning, some wolves, I shouldn't say they're Christians, but some wolves who are not well-meaning. But there are a lot of people in the church, in the church, some Christians, some wolves. We know what the last day's church looks like. But people inside the church that never see the hand of God because of their choice to manipulate don't do that. Don't do that. Because when you manipulate, you might have the, the best of intentions. But manipulation is, that's carnal. That's a carnal way. And it's also a wicked way. Don't manipulate. You see this a lot with in husband and wife situations. You know? Uh, uh, with kids, it's a little different. You know, a, a kid, a 10-year-old kid can't say, oh, see, mom, don't manipulate me. Well, hold on, kid. You know, hold on, my little brother. Hold on, my little sister. Your parents have a responsibility to train you up. And they also have a biblical responsibility to give you the little love taps from time to time. You see? So if you're a kid, yeah, it's a little different because your parents have a responsibility to train you up. Don't say like, you see, this guy says, you know, hey, mom, you know, see, this guy says that, you know, uh, don't manipulate. No, no, mom is training you. Now, it could be that she's manipulating you. But then, you know, just like our study last week, you have to just like, you know, you you honor. But then, you know, you have to make a choice to honor the greater covering, which is Jesus Christ. But be very careful with manipulation. Because a lot of people, what they start to do is they manipulate a situation which is not the hand of God. That's the hand of the flesh. And in so doing, what happens? Not godliness. You can't expect the hand of God from the hand of man. You can expect the hand of God from the hand of God. But when you see the hand of man enter a situation through manipulation, Slowly but surely, sometimes it's not so slow, but slowly but surely, it leads to mess. I mean, you see it all the time. Sometimes you see it with, with, uh, like grandparents, uh, uh, older adults unto their adult children. And you see the, these older adults, they have like a union mentality. They think, well, you know, I've been a Christian for 50 years, so, you know, therefore I have seniority over you. No, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. There are people who've been in the church for 50 years and they're little babies. So it doesn't work that way. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with uh, duration with Christ. Spiritual maturity has everything to do with dying with Christ and being crucified with Christ. Some people who've been in the church for 50 years have never been crucified. So there's no union mentality of like, you know, oh, I've been a Christian for 50 years. Therefore, I have seniority over you. Therefore, you have to do what I say. I have wisdom. No, a lot of old people are stupid. I mean... In the church, a lot of old people are stupid. And I don't mean that in any disrespect. I mean to say they are, uh, I'll say it like Paul says, a lot of old people are idiotes, where we get the word idiot. Idiotes. It's without understanding. 
So, you know, it's not to say that, you know, if you are like 80 years old and, you know, you've been a Christian for 50 years that, oh, all of a sudden I, I have the wisdom. I have the wisdom of the Lord because I've been walking with the Lord for, you know, all my entire adult life. Therefore, you know, look, you know, like it's almost like a prideful and arrogant approach. Therefore, you know, 50-year-old son, therefore, a uh, 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 40-year-old daughter, you have to do exactly what I say because, you know, the Lord has shed this light upon me. But then you look at the fruit of said old person, and you don't see the fruit of the Spirit. You see mess all around. Everywhere, everywhere his hand has been, you see mess. Everywhere her hand has been, you see mess. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the flesh. So we have to be wise to understand. Don't have the union mentality of, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for 50 years. Therefore, do this, do this, do this. Because if you follow such counsel and you see the fruit of that mess, you know what you're going to have? Mess. Mess begets mess. You see, we have to be wise. I know 15-year-olds who have more godly wisdom than 80-year-olds. The 15-year-old is more spiritually mature than an 80-year-old who's been, you know, the 80-year-old's been in the church for 50 years. And, you know, the or maybe even, you know, a, a 60 years or maybe the whole life since a child. And that 80-year-old has been in the church for 50 plus years. And then a 15-year-old who's been a Christian in the church for two years, three years. But yet, because of that 15-year-old's desire and willingness and in obedience to yield to the Word and yield to the Spirit of the Lord, all of a sudden, that 15-year-old is leaps and bounds ahead of the 80-year-old. No union mentality. You see, it's not seniority like, you know, how long you've been in the church. There's, there, there's no seniority. I'm talking about righteousness and holiness. And it is all a byproduct of obedience to the Lord. So when we look at these passages, don't be discouraged if you're like, man, I don't have this. I don't have this. Well, what you do have is a choice. If you don't have these things that we study, these exhortations to uh, for holiness. If you don't have these things, I mean, you might have to repent. But in the aftermath of repentance, now that you are right with the Lord, you yield to his word. You yield to the leading of the spirit, which also aligns with the word. And supernaturally, the Lord starts to do things. Put things together. And that, my beautiful friend, is the hand of God. Many, 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 many Christians never see the hand of God. They only see the hand of man because man or woman wants to take a carnal approach to a spiritual matter. And that cannot be done. You look at the fruit. Oh, I've been walking. I've been in the church for 50 plus years. Therefore, I have the wisdom of the Lord. Therefore, look, my life is a mess. But don't look at that. That's just Satan's attack. 
That's just Satan's attack. Look, you know, so what if there's this mess over here and mess over here and mess over there? That's just Satan's attack. But here, you do this and everything's going to be fine. And I tell you the truth. If you heed that counsel, don't be surprised when the mess you see in that person's life comes to your life as well. And that's where you see a big problem in the church. It's called manipulation. And a lot of people do it. Some well-meaning, they just don't know because they haven't been taught. And some are just, you know, they, they're well-meaning, they haven't been taught. And some just, maybe they are of the idiotes class. They just, they're without understanding. I mean, certain levels of the idiotes class. Where we get the word idiot, it's without understanding. That's what Paul says, I'm just a messenger. And sometimes you see it in, you know, uh, 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 like the, the uh, senior citizens. Well-meaning. Sometimes well-meaning. Sometimes they're straight-up wolves. You see it in pastors, elders, so-called pastors and elders. They try to apply a carnal solution to a spiritual problem. And it can't be done. I mean, it can be done. But it doesn't equal righteousness. It equals wickedness. And that's called the hand of man. A lot of Christians never see the hand of God. And for that reason alone. Because they're trying to apply carnal carnal wisdom to a spiritual problem. And that cannot be done. And I tell you this from experience. I don't want anybody to come to Christ the way I did. 25 years ago, my life was a mess. I meant like suicide, two failed suicides. A mess. I meant to get to the point of suicide, a life has to be a mess. And there I was. But by God's grace, here we are today. And I can't say, well, you know, look, I did this, and look, I did this, I did this, I did this, and look how awesome I am. And if you do this, you're going to, you know, you do it like I did, and you're going to do okay. You do it like I did, and you're going to, you know what? You know who gets the glory in that case? Me. That's the hand of man. But I tell you from experience, when you yield to the word of the Lord, and you remember, the word became flesh. When you yield to Jesus Christ, and you yield to the Spirit, The Lord put me together. And I say this from experience. He'll put you together as well. He'll fix your heart. He'll fix your mind. He'll fix your marriage. He'll fix your kids. He'll fix your, you know, whatever. He'll fix it. He does it. But there's a a little caveat to that. Obedience, which is a choice. I'm not a Calvinist. You know, God didn't make robots. I'm not into Reformed theory. If you're Calvinist or Reformed, I love you. But listen to our message, Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You'll understand more. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not Reformed theory. He doesn't make robots. Oh, look, my husband's in crazy town. God is sovereign, so he designed it that way. Oh, look, my wife is in crazy town. God is sovereign, so he made it that way. Oh, my, 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 my son is in crazy town. God is sovereign, so he designed it. Maybe he was never saved. 
Oh, this guy, this guy was a Christian. He says he was Christians. He, he claimed to be a Christian, but God is sovereign. He predestined me for heaven. And for this guy, he's predestined to hell because I look at the fruit. He's predestined to hell. So, you know, therefore he was never a Christian. I'm not a Calvinist. That's Calvinism. One derivative of Calvinism, but Calvinism nonetheless, reformed theory nonetheless, which is just a theory. It's not biblical. Now, if you're Calvinist reformed, I love you. But I also say this, come out of her, my people. Among the Calvinists and reformed, they're starting to teach that it's okay to take the mark of the beast and you'll still be saved. It's being taught in fellowships. Behold the last days. The Lord will put you together. The Lord will fix if you're like, man, I'm broken. I'm broken. Look, my life is a mess. I'm broken. That's not a bad thing, my beautiful friend. That's not a bad thing at all to be broken before the Lord. I love I wonder if the Lord sees brokenness before him. I wonder if he has a big smile on his face and he, you know, like cracks his knuckles like, okay, I'm going to go to work now. Now I can go to work because now I don't have to fight this person. Now this person's not fighting with me. Now this person's not fighting with me. Look, he is broken before. He's broken. Look, she's broken. Now they're finally done fighting me. Okay, little smile on the face, little crack of the knuckles, and boom, let's go to work. I tell you this from experience. People tell me sometimes, you know, oh, wow, your life is really put together. That's not me. It's 100% Jesus Christ. Some Christians, it breaks my heart. Some Christians, many Christians, never, ever, ever, never see the hand of the Lord because they're applying human hands. They're applying human hands and in some cases, manipulation. You see? And oftentimes, these are the same people who also say, Oh, the Holy Spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. You see, because they're, they're applying carnal to the Spirit when they should be applying Spirit to the Spirit. It's an intellectual problem. The flesh. Carnality. And I say to you, it's supernatural. When you yield to the word and yield to his spirit, and when you do that, you'll see it. You know, marriages that are a mess. Wives who are like dying every day because they're like, man, you know, my husband's a crazy head. My, my, my kids are crazy. What do I do? What do I do? And then they seek counsel from, you know, an old lady whose life is a mess. They seek counsel from an old guy whose life is a mess. They seek counsel from, you know, a, 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 an old lady who's, you know, divorced on her, on her fourth marriage. You know, the previous spouses haven't, haven't died. They seek counsel from a guy who's, you know, you know, a sex head or a crackhead. What do you, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Don't do that. When you yield to the Lord, you understand, 
Your hands, my beautiful friend, I don't care if you're male, female, young, old, I don't care. Your hands, your human hands. I mean, if you just look at your hands for a moment, I mean, I'm looking at my hands. But if you just look at your hands and know you cannot touch the heart, the hands that you look at in front of you cannot touch a heart, cannot It is impossible for your hands to touch a heart. It is impossible for your hands to touch a mind, a soul. But it's not impossible for the Lord. Your hands can't go there. But the Lord's can. And when you yield to Him and yield to His Word, it's called abiding in Christ. And when you do that, all of a sudden, when I say things just start to happen, it's true. Supernaturally, the Lord's hands, which can touch hearts and minds and souls deep to the marrow, he goes to work. Why? Because you're not fighting with him anymore. He doesn't have to. You're not wrestling with him, which means he doesn't have to wrestle with you. Which, I mean, if you if you fought with God, he's gonna win, and I tell you that from experience. You fight the Lord, he's gonna win. It's just he'll keep going. He'll he'll keep going until you're done. And when you're done, finally, I wonder if the Lord is saying, "Finally, I don't have to wrestle this guy. Finally, I don't have to wrestle this guy. Now, now that he or she is abiding in me." Now I can go to work. That's what happens. And when you see that happen, carnal eyes, carnal ears cannot comprehend. It's called the hand of God. And you see it with eyes to see and ears to hear. Then you read the Bible, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you're like, oh my goodness, Lord. Your word doesn't even do it justice because you're not just good. You're like fantastic, marvelous. You are glorious. You are everything. More beautiful than life itself. And then you read the Bible about green pastures and still waters. And you're like, Lord, that doesn't even do it justice. You're just, you're beyond that, Lord. And then something else happens. You're like, Lord, kill me now. Kill me today. Let this breath I'm breathing right now be my last. Let this beating of my heart be my last because I want to be with you, Lord. And many Christians never get to this point. They call it righteousness. But it's the hand of man. But I don't speak. You know, the Lord called me to speak and teach the living, to the living. The remnant of the last days. And we must understand these things. You, I mean, we, we study these passages. I mean, if you're a wife and, you know, we had the, our study several weeks ago in chapter 5, verse 22, and you're like, man, you know, like, we looked at what godliness is and righteousness is, and you're like, wow, you know, like, there is no way my life can be that way. Maybe you're wrestling the Lord. 
Cut it out. Don't do that anymore. Choose not to do that anymore. If you're a husband and you're like, oh my goodness, we studied the Bible and yes, this is beautiful, but man, look at my life. I'm a mess. Well, maybe you're wrestling the Lord. I say the same to you. Cut it out. If you're a kid, the same thing. Don't wrestle the Lord. Okay, I won't wrestle the Lord, but I'll wrestle my parents. Well, don't do that. That's not pleasing to the Lord. Don't do that. But my dad is crazy. My mom is crazy. Okay, still honor them. But you have to honor the greater covering, the better covering, which is Jesus Christ. You see, and when the formula is right in you, all of a sudden, your new wineskin and the new wine flows and it fills you up, 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 and then it spills over. It spills over if you're a kid. It spills over to your parents, your siblings. If you're a husband, it spills over to your wife and to your kids. You see, if you're a wife, it spills over to those in your home, your husband and your kid. You see, everything is a byproduct of the hand of the Lord. No human manipulation. A lot of Christians are in huge problems and they need counsel. Absolutely, they need counsel. And they go to their pastor because the Bible says, you know, you have these people for counsel. Do you have these? That's part of the responsibility of pastoral ministry, elder ministry, to provide this counsel and this help and this aid. But remember, the formula must be right in the pastor. The formula must be right in the elder. Oh, I need I need marital counseling, so I'm going to go to this pastor. Let's forget that he's on his fourth marriage. Let's forget that, you know, he was caught up in adultery. Let's forget that this pastor, there was also a youth pastor who was caught up in adultery, molesting children. But I'm going to go to this pastor that condoned that. And I'm going to seek counsel from him, marriage counseling. Who's the fool? Of course the pastor's a fool. Don't seek counsel from the fool. I mean, you might be a bona fide idiotes without understanding. You might be. But you don't have to stay that way. You might be a bona fide idiotes as I once was. But yet moving on to perfection, sometimes we forget that. Moving on to perfection. We figure, well, you know, it's prideful to say that we can mature in Christ. I've heard the argument. No one is ever fully mature. Therefore, look, we all sin. Now, it's true. We all sin, but we can sin less and less and less. And don't use that as an excuse for carnality. Why? Because just as is written in chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, and I'll also say to a perfect woman, to perfection, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Don't sell yourself short. And above that, 
Don't sell the Lord short. It is immeasurable what the Lord can do inside of you and through you. It is immeasurable. He can do anything. In, he can do anything, period. Nothing is impossible for him. But what he can do in you and through you, phew. Oh, my life is a mess. My life is, oh, I got these addictions. Look, I'm this. I go seek counsel from, you know, this pastor and he's, he's still doing his crack. He's still a sex head. He's still, and I'm going to get counsel from him. You might get counsel from him. But is it godly counsel? Oh, I'm going to get marriage counseling. Look, so what if this guy beats on his wife? So what if this guy is disrespectful to his wife? I'm going to get counsel to him, from him, to teach me how to treat my wife. Oh, I'm going to go to this divorced lady. I'm going to go to this divorced guy and get counsel from them. No. The blind follow the blind. And when the blind follow the blind, both fall into a ditch. Don't be blind. You might be an idiotess. But tomorrow is another day. Moving on to perfection means that we're no longer idiotes. Don't use that. There's this saying, you know, oh, we all sin. We all sin. That's true. But don't use that as an excuse to stay a baby. To be on milk forever. You have to look at the fruit. A lot of people think they're wise. They might have carnal wisdom. But they're wise in their own eyes. Real wisdom? It comes from the word of God. Do not be discouraged if your life is a mess. Because the Lord can fix you. The Lord can fix the situation. Any situation. And I tell you this from experience. And so... We continue in Ephesians chapter six, verse four to my beautiful brothers who happen to be dads and even those who aren't dads, because you might be a dad and you fathers, <laughs> Ephesians six, verse four, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Very interesting. What we see here, do not provoke your children to wrath in this provocation to provoke is to arouse and produce and cause rage. Don't do that. Now, it is a biblical fact that you discipline your kids and you train your kids and, you know, do not spare the rod, but there has to be measurement. There has to be, it has to be done in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. Your husbands and fathers, your greater covering which is Jesus Christ. Don't take a two-year-old and beat him to a bloody pulp. That's illegal. You see? And it's not pleasing to the Lord. A little tap, tap. Hey, son, tap, tap. Don't do that. Hey, baby girl, tap, tap. Don't do that. And they get older, like my mom. When I was a kid, she used to have this little wooden ladle. And it hurt when I was like a little kid. But then I remember when it didn't hurt anymore, I used to fake it. Because it didn't hurt. I was like, you know, okay, the, the, her discipline is no big deal. And then, you know, one day she looks down at me and she's like, 
You're not, this does, this is nothing to you, right? And so I, you know, I fessed up, you know, I had a little smirk on my face and she said, okay. And I got upgraded. She told my dad. And now from that day forth, my mom never did the spankings. It was always, always, always my dad. And he didn't play games. <laughs> then it hurt. <laughs> the beautiful black leather belt. The beautiful, beautiful black leather belt. And as my friend always says, he says, better is the soft leather belt than the cruel steel bars. Better is the soft leather belt than the cruel soft bars. But yet, measurement needs to be made. Fathers, dads, you cannot be a hypocrite. I mean, have you ever... I've had these counseling with kids before. Kids go, hey, can I, can I ask you a question? And it's like, yeah, what's up? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm grounded right now. And it's like, okay, <laughs> what did you do, you know? They give me the lowdown. It's like, oh, man, I can't believe you did that. Well, you know, you know, you learn, you know. You got your whooping. You got this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Now you got to pay the piper. Okay, okay. But then the kid says, my dad does that. What my, what my dad was mad at me about, I learned it from him. What my mom was mad at me about, I learned it from her. Now that's a whole new ball game. That's okay. Okay, little brother. Okay, little sister. I love you. God bless you. And then I talk to the parents. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. I heard this happened. Yeah. Now it's a whole new ball game. It's called hypocrisy. And the Lord doesn't like hypocrisy. Dads, moms, parents, don't be a hypocrite. If you're, if you don't like your son telling lies, if you don't like your daughters telling lies, don't be a liar, mom and dad. Oh, but it's a little white lie. Look, if I lie here, then I get a little extra money on my taxes. If I lie here, I don't have to pay the, you know, I tell my son, you know, pretend you're 10 years old and we don't have to pay the adult rate. You see, hey, look, sneak this in your pocket. No big deal. Look, this, this guy's rich. He's not going to, he's not going to mind. This guy's loaded. This, this is a big corporation. Look, they're not going to mind. They're not even going to notice. So here, put this in your pocket. Put this in your pocket. Shh, just keep it down. You're teaching your kids lying. Parents, mom and dad. Oh, but we're Christians. We're Christians. Look, God in his sovereignty, look, he makes us, he made us holy. You see? Holiness is a learned thing. And once it is learned, it has to be applied and yielded to, meaning we have to choose holiness or wickedness. It's not osmosis. Oh, I don't like how my kid lies. Did you teach them that? 
your little white lies to advance your, you know, your, your tax rate. Your little white lies so you don't have to pay the adult rate for your, your kid who's 15, but you know, you, you try to sell it that he's 10 years old so you can pay the child rate. My little white lie, no big deal. Really? And you want to discipline your kid when he's caught lying? If you want to use that measure of discipline on your son, on your daughter for lying, which he learned from you, how much more do you think the Lord will apply that same unit of measurement to you, mom and dad? You see? Do not be a hypocrite. Daughters. Daughters who, you know, they mature physically. They start to dress a certain way. Oh, I don't like how you dress that way. Your dad gets mad at his daughter, his teenage daughter. How dare you dress that way? How dare you dress that way? Look, you need to go back in your room and dress better and, you know, cover this and cover that. And if you don't do that, you're grounded. Okay, now you're grounded. You never heeded my, my, my discipline to you, so now you're grounded. I have a conversation with the daughter. Well, you say, daughter, you know, your dad's got a point. Your parents have a point. Yeah, 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 I get it, I get it, she says. But I'm confused. The daughter says, I'm confused. Very interesting. I'm confused. Remember, God is not the author of confusion. What is it, my beautiful sister? What is it? I learned that from the movies that my parents watch. How am I doing anything wrong when I'm learning it from them? I see my my parents, they like to go to their parties. They, you know, Halloween, they go Halloween with their friends and I see how my mom dresses, I see how my dad dresses. We sit down on the couch and, you know, they, 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 we watch movies as a family and, you know, I see women dressed a certain way and I look at my parents and they got smiles on their faces, they're laughing. Whoa, my beautiful sister, that's another issue. Let me tell you something. Well, your, your dad was right. You know, you do need to, you know, cover up. That's not good. And we have that lesson. But can you go tell your dad that I want to talk to him? See, now it's another matter. Because now the dad, now the mom, they're playing the hypocrite. And when it's teenagers, when it's teenagers, usually parents, usually it's too late. When they're teenagers, usually it's too late. You fail to teach your kids when they were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The whole time they're like sponges, you know. One, two, three, four, five, six. They're like sponges, but like the soaking phase. Learning. Input, 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 input. And then parents get mad at age 13, 14, 15, 16 when you see the output. You see the fruit of your labors, parents. 
When kids are in the sponge phase and the in the soaking phase, they're taking it all in. Input, 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 input. But then baby girl turns, you know, 14, 15, whatever age. Son, little son turns 14, 15, whatever age. And now the output. Now you start to see the fruit. And usually by that, by that time, parents, usually it's too late. For usually it's too late your ability your ability to impact and teach them. In a in a carnal sense. It's in a carnal sense, absolutely it's too late. But in a spiritual sense, remember, only your hands cannot touch the heart. Your hands cannot touch the mind. Only the Lord's hand. Only the Lord's can. And I've had these conversations with kids before. 13-year-old boys and girls. Beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ. And they tell me, I don't care what my parents say. I know I'm going to get grounded, but I'm going to do it anyway. You see, it's too late, parent. It's too late. You've already... You, those are the seeds that you planted. Now you have to reap what you have sown. Under age 10, in my opinion, under age 10 is the most important aspect of a, a, a child's life and the ability for a parent to influence under age 10. After age 10, from like 10 to 12, 10 to 13, you have a little bit of ability to influence but after that now the child has his or her own choice to choose i'm going to, to choose either to yield to your influence and in so doing yield to the lord if you're following christ you know just as paul says follow me as i follow christ you're a godly example and young teenager that young soul has a choice to make my mom and dad were a good example. And they taught me well and, you know, they tell me to yield to the Lord and I see them yielding to the Lord and it's beautiful, so I'm going to do that. Or, another choice. Well, mom and dad, they said that they wanted me to yield to the Lord. They said that they, that they did. But look, I, I see how my mom dresses to her Halloween parties. I see how my dad watches movies. I see how he watches his phone. I see the stuff that he watches. I hear them argue. Mom and dad, they don't like me to cuss. But I hear them cussing all the time. And because the child sees the hypocrisy, all of a sudden when that child is 13, 14, maybe even 12 or 11, that child says, I know my mom and dad, I know they say they want me to do this, but because of their hypocrisy, which I don't like, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Now all of a sudden, as a result of the hypocrisy in the parents, the child chooses the path of wickedness. You see, that's what happens. One time I was talking with a kid and he says, oh yeah, have you ever seen this movie? 
And I was like dumbfounded. Like my, my mouth opened like a gape. Like what? What? In the, I can't even watch the preview of that movie. Pull him to the side. Where, where did you see that movie? You know, did you sneak out? Did you watch it with your friends? Did you steal it? Did you? How did you watch it? And he says, I watched it with my dad. Oh my goodness. And in the distance, you could hear his dad leading worship to a congregation. Oh my goodness. I wasn't in pastoral ministry at that time. Oh my goodness, it broke my heart. This dad is leading a congregation in worship unto the Lord. And yet behind the scenes, what is the influence he has upon his child when his child is watching all kinds of filth, nudity, sex, you know, a little teenage boy watching the nudity and the sex and the cussing and the, all you know, drunkenness, drugs, revelry, all this stuff. And he's watching it with his dad. And this child is going to grow up. I mean, grown up now. Married, have kids. What is the influence that that man is going to have on his kids? Male kids. Even female kids. What is his marriage going to look like? All because of seeds that were planted by dad. You see? And I've talked, have these long conversations with frustrated kids. I'm confused. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. What's happening? What's wrong? I'm confused and I'm so mad. I'm so full of rage. How come? My dad disciplines me. What's wrong with that? Well, you know, nothing in that regard. I meant like, you know, sometimes, you know, I have these conversations with kids and they expect me to take like, you know, like, oh, how dare he do that? Well, okay, well, what's the matter? What's what's wrong with you being disciplined? Once they see, okay, <laughs> what's the matter with that? Why are you angry? Why are you confused? And then they tell me. I learned it from him. My dad, I got caught in a lie. So there, there's this one aspect of, okay, okay, my young brother, my young sister, you know that's wrong, right? Lying isn't good. Before, okay, let's, let's put your parents to the side for a moment. Let's put them to the side. You and Jesus Christ, my beautiful young brother, my beautiful young sister, you and Jesus Christ, you before him, you know lying is bad, right, and wrong. Yeah, I do. Okay. Have you repented of that? What? Sometimes the kids are like, what? Why do I have to repent? Listen, you have to repent so that your heart can be right before the Lord. Come on, let's do it right now. Just you and me. We'll go off into our little section. You and me, let's do it right now. We'll repent. You repent and I'll pray for you. And now Jesus, they're starting to see that covering of Jesus Christ. Then there's another matter. The young soul, can I ask you a question? 
Sure, what's up? Now that we're nice and clean, what's up? I, I learned to behave that way because of my mom. I learned to behave that way because of my dad. And you know, it wasn't it wasn't good that I cussed him out. And yeah, absolutely, that was that wasn't good. And the, you know, the young soul has repented. And I was just so full of rage that my dad would even dare discipline me. I was so full of rage because I cussed him out in my rage. But he was mad that I was behaving. Exactly like him. Yeah, I cussed out my mom. I was so full of rage because she grounded me. She disciplined me. And I was so full of rage that she would even dare do that. Because all I'm doing is behaving like her. That's another issue. My beautiful young brother, my beautiful young sister, that's another issue. Now that you're all clean, you're right before the Lord. Now, you continue to abide in the Lord. Yeah, you messed up, but we learned from our, our mistakes. Don't do it again. Don't keep doing it. You know, go and sin no more. But tell your mom and dad that I want to talk to them. You see? Now the parents need to learn. It's because of your hypocrisy, mom. It's because of your hypocrisy, dad. You see? Remember the formula. The Lord does the work in you. That's first. In you. Then through you. Oh, but the Bible says I got to discipline my kids. Absolutely. But don't be a hypocrite. If you're going to take a wooden spoon to the derriere of your son, your daughter, or they've upgraded, a little ruffian like I was, and you're going to upgrade to a black leather belt or whatever color, and if you're a hypocrite, it's better for you to take that belt to yourself. Dad. Oh, I don't like how my daughter dresses. Well, she sees a smile on your face when you're watching your dirty movies. I don't like that my teenage kids are sexually active. My 16-year-old lost her virginity. My 15-year-old lost his virginity. I don't like that, so I discipline them. Oh, I whip them good. You need to repent, Dad. Because you're a hypocrite. Because your kids know that you watch your dirty movies. They know the filth that you watch on your phone. They know the filth that you watch on your computer. They see, you know, oh, you're watching a nice movie as a family. A sex scene comes on. 
They don't see you, you know, take the movie out, you know, and throw it away. They don't see you hit the lead. They don't see it. They see you watching it with a nice smile on your face. And that was when your kids were eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old. And those are the seeds that you planted, dad. Those are the seeds that you planted, mom. And now you want to, now that you're tasting the fruit of that with sexually active teenage kids, the wrong formula in one sense I want to say well it's too late but understand as your child gets older you know 8 years old 9 years old your hands do have an ability to impact but as they get older and their hearts get harder hopefully their hearts stay nice and soft But if they're nice and soft, that means they're yielding to Jesus Christ. But as they get older, like a fresh baby, that's when the heart is the most soft. And as they get older, their heart is getting harder. No longer jello. It's balsa wood. Maple. They're 11 years old. Now it's pine. They're 12 years old. Now it's a rock. You see? Now they're just living with you because that's what the law says. They can't they can't move out. They turn 18, boom, they're out. No more church, no more Bible. They do the drugs, they do the sex, they do the alcohol. They party it up. It's the fruit of the seeds. Oftentimes, most oftentimes, Planted by the parents. You see? You have a brand new baby, fresh baby, right out of the, fresh out of the womb. That's the softest heart. I don't want to say you'll ever see. The the softest heart you'll ever see is somebody who's abiding in Christ. Obedience unto the Lord. But the next softest heart you'll see is a fresh, fresh out of the womb baby. Each day that baby grows and each day that heart is getting harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. It's a slow transition from uh, jello to balsa wood in terms of, you know, the, the, the softness. But it happens. That baby's Two weeks old, nice, beautiful, soft heart, but can't even crawl. Baby learns to walk. Heart's a little softer or harder. Little toddler has some friends. Parents, oh, I want to socialize my kids. Parents socialize their kids. Kids start to use other cuss words. You know, the... Your kid learned to say mommy and daddy. Their kids learned to, to say, you know, expletive, expletive. Now the kid learns. Your kid learns. Now I'm going to say expletive, expletive. And that's just speech. What about behaviors? See? What about uncorrected speech and uncorrected behaviors? 
by the parents who refuse to correct. You see? When the kid is five years old, six years old, seven years old, the parents are sowing these seeds. The kids, so what? You know, he said mommy and daddy when he was little, but now he says expletive, expletive, so what? You know? Oh, we all sin. Now that's just language. Now behavior traits are learned. Baby girl becomes sexually active at age 16. Son becomes sexually active at age, you know, 16, maybe 15, 14, 13. I don't know. Now parents are incensed. How dare you, son? How dare you, daughter? I never raised you that way. Au contraire. How can you say that? I mean, hopefully you can say that. But the fruit testifies. You look at the fruit. This is deep. Preparing the next generation of righteousness, not of wickedness. And so we see this exhortation. In verse 4, you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Have you ever talked to a teenager who's full of rage? And when they're full of rage, almost, in my experience, almost 99% of the time, I want to say 100, but almost 99 to 100% of the time, they are full of rage, but it's, I don't want to say permissible, it's 100% understandable because you have a dad where the formula isn't right. You have a mom where the formula isn't right with them. And they try to apply certain scriptures about disciplining their kids, but because of their hypocrisy, Instead of producing righteousness and leading a child into righteousness, because of their hypocrisy, it leads their child to wickedness. Parents who pave the way of wickedness for their children. This is inside a Christian home. The world is the world. But this is inside a Christian home. Dads and moms who are incensed that they have teenage kids who are sexually active that behave in certain ways, that speak in certain manners. They're in trouble with the law with, without realizing that those seeds were planted in those kids many, many moons ago by the behaviors that the kids saw in mom and dad. An eight-year-old sees how dad speaks to mom, how dad demeans mom, how mom cusses out dad. And when there's so-called happiness in a home, they go out to their parties. They see how mom dresses to the Halloween parties. They see how they talk. And then they have nice family time. Everybody's happy. Nice family time. Look, we're going to watch a family movie together. They see how the women are dressed in the movie. 
They look at dad and they say, wow, dad's got a nice smile on his face. He must really like that. They see the approving mom. Definitely not Zipporah. They see the approving mom. And now the eight-year-old learns, wow, this is acceptable by my parents. You see? Now the nine-year-old, ten-year-old learns, wow, this is acceptable by my parents. These are behavior traits that I have learned and that I'm going to apply in my life. Without, you know, they might go to church and when the formula is wrong in the pastor, the pastor just says, well, kids, you know, obey your parents. Oh, kids, follow your parents' examples. So the kid thinks, well, I go to church and this is what the pastor says. So, you know, my dad wants to demean my mom and my mom is happy with it. She looks happy. She says that their marriage is fine. Now, daddy set the bar really low. Now, now all the daughters, now they know, okay, since this is the standard of husband, now, you know, Joe Schmo comes walking around, says, hey, toots, can we get a cup of coffee? Can I take you out for a drink? You know? Hook, line, and sinker. Daddy set the bar low. I shouldn't say hook, line, and sinker. I should say hook, line, and sink her. Or with the son. I see how mommy behaves. I see mom behave. She was accepting of this. She was accepting of that. Dad was demeaning to her. She liked it. Dad was demeaning to her, abused her. Okay, so I guess that's what marriage looks like. Son sees how dad treats women. Dad, the son sees how dad treats his wife. So son says, okay, if that's the model, then now I'm going to do it too. You know, meet a girl. And it's, it's carnality, it's the world, it's the ways of the world, except it's inside the church. Son has kids. Because, you know, the example, the bar was set so low. With the defunct dad, now the son is a defunct dad himself. Paying child support over here, child support over there, child support over there, and then... All the kids say, I want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Because when I was when I was a kid, all we did was read the Bible. All we did was go to church. And I want nothing to do with that anymore because look at the fruit of it. Well, that's some nasty fruit. Don't blame that on Jesus Christ. It is nasty fruit, but don't blame it on Jesus Christ. You can blame the false teacher. You can blame the wolf at the pulpit. You can blame the parents. So when we look at these studies, do you remember when we started in chapter 5, verse 22? And, you know, we looked at the formula about like yielding to pastors. How beautiful it is. Also very dangerous. You see? The formula must be right in the pastors who teach 
This is how things, this, this is how the, this is what the formula looks like. This is what we yield to. This is what we apply together as a church body. This is what we do. This is the behavior of a Christian. This is becoming of a Christian. But then you have men at the pulpit. Sometimes women at the pulpit. Formula is wrong right there. Oh, kids, obey your parents. Look, the Bible says in chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents. Look, kids, you got to follow their example. And the kids, they figure, well, the, the pastor, you know, I don't know the Bible, so the pastor says this. This is a godly man. My parents say this is a godly man. Let's just forget the fact that the, the, the you know, the, the, the youth leaders having sex with kids. Let's just forget the fact that, you know, the, the elders are, you know, having sex with the women. My parents say this is godliness. It's wickedness. The formula is very, very specific. And it must be right. And the pastors who teach and what they teach must align with scripture. The, everything must align. You see? The pastor teaches husbands, this is what you do. Wives, this is what you do. And, you know, the pastor who says such can't say like, wives, this is what you do. And, you know, oh, don't forget, I'm on my fifth marriage. So, you know, let's just beside the point. God will deal with all those other women. You know, let's not look at my fruit. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. But yet that's what you see inside the church. The world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. I'm talking about inside the church. Remember in the Old Testament when we studied Exodus? All the animals. Why? A lot of blood. A lot of sin. Same thing today. You look at all the sin. All the trespass in the church. Inside the church. The church is in trouble. You talk to these adult kids. Don't talk to me about Jesus Christ. I want nothing to do with them. Nothing. Church, the Bible, Jesus, nothing. Why? Why, my beautiful friend? Why? Because let me tell you what this Jesus did to me. Look, my dad's a sex addict. The strippers, my mom is crazy town. You know, my my siblings, they go grave soaking. And, you know, they do all this craziness. They call it Christianity. And I had this example of what a so-called Christian home looks like. I'm doing my air quotes, a so-called Christian home. And the young adult tells me, I've had this example of what the Christian home looks like. And I want nothing to do with it. I went to this church, and they taught this way, I did exactly that, and now look at my life, it's just a mess. I want nothing to do with Jesus. You see? And I say this, 
I've had these conversations with young adults. And if that's you, I say this. I want you to have nothing to do with that Jesus as well. Lowercase j. That is not the biblical Jesus. What you were subjected to is the fake Jesus. Where there is no power, where there is nothing but destruction. You were subjected to a fake Jesus. Of the kind that the real Jesus says there will be many in the last days. I could, I don't point the blame at your parents. In, in one sense, they have plenty blame. I blame the pastors. I blame the teachers. I blame the elders. Full blame is on Satan. But the next in line is the pastor. That's who I blame. Who's the pastor of that fellowship, my friend? Oh, well, it's this lady. There you go. Wrong formula. Oh, it's this guy. There you go. Wrong formula. He's also on his fifth marriage. Wrong formula. You see? Who's your pastor? Oh, this guy. There you go. Wrong formula. Study Bible says it's okay to take the mark of the beast and you'll still be saved. Wrong formula. What do you mean wrong formula? He just says that, you know, that the, uh, he's of the elect and, you know, I was never saved because God is sovereign and I was never saved now that I'm a, a ruffian. You know, now that I do all these things in the world and I want nothing to do with the church, he just says that I was never saved. He's wrong. He's wrong, point blank. His father is the devil. How can you say that? You're not supposed to speak that way about pastors. I know. It's biblically true. You're not supposed to be speak that way of pastors. But let me tell you something. That ain't no pastor. You see? Remember, we'll, we'll look at this again. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. How beautiful is it to see Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. This is a a lamb or sheep, a church member, a member of the congregation, the koinonia, the ecclesia. And this exhortation, I shouldn't say exhortation, it, it says obey, so borderline command. Chapter 13, verse 17, obey those who rule over you or lead. He's speaking about the relationship of a, 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 a Christian unto the pastor. And we see verse 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must get, who, as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, do you remember when we started this study and looking at wives and husbands and kids and now fathers? But when we started this study, we started it with this, chapter 13, verse 17, how it is beautiful to apply and very, very holy. But... 
the formula must be right. And when the formula is wrong, I'm speaking about the pastor. When the formula is wrong in the pastor, you're, it, it's guaranteed you will find mess all around. Guaranteed you will find mess everywhere. Oh, but we're Christians, we're Christians, we're Christians. Look, we believe. So what? We have a brother in the church who's doing his sex. So what? We have a brother in the church who's doing his drugs. So what? We have little teenage sisters in the church. So what if they're sexually active? A 15-year-old girl and she's got her big belly. She's pregnant with twins. So what? God is love. Then you get into a 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse type of situation. Your rejoicing isn't good, you guys. Where are the pastors? Where are the elders? Godly men. Men. Not boys. Not women. Not girls. Men. Where are they? That's what I want to know. Where in the world are they? Pastors to teach. Oh, I don't like how you say this. Look, you shouldn't talk about the sex. You shouldn't talk about the drugs. You shouldn't talk about the alcohol. You shouldn't talk about the occult, the Buddha. Look, you're you're hurting my, my son's feelings. So what if he's sexually active? So Look, you're hurting the feelings of my pregnant daughter. She's 15 years old and pregnant. Look, you're hurting her little feelers. How? How? We're just studying the Bible. We open up the Bible. And look, I just have my eyes on the pages. I don't even look up. I don't even see who's here. And we're just studying the Bible. You blame me. But what if it's the Holy Spirit? And if it's the Holy Spirit whose ministry is to go into the world to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. To convict. And you want to prevent that prevent that from happening? Mommy, daddy, you want to prevent that from happening? The conviction, the, the very conviction that can bring your son or daughter to the Lord, in closer relationship to the Lord, you want to prevent that from happening on account of, you know, not your, your, your son or daughter not having little feelers hurt? You blame me? You see? And that's what's so beautiful about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because once a soul realizes that they are wrong, now there's a choice to be made. Lord, forgive me. I didn't know. Or forgive me. I knew, but I took advantage of your grace. And now I'm, you know, we, we're Bereans. We study the word and I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to take advantage of you. I don't want to grieve your spirit, Lord. Forgive me. I repent. And a lot of parents want to save their kids from having their little feelers hurt. And in so doing, as a result of following that 
logic. They hurt their kids. You see? Because the kids have never been stung by conviction, holy conviction. Daughter's 15 and pregnant. Now she's 16 and pregnant. Now she's 18 and pregnant. You see? And it, sin begets more sin. Now she's learned, okay, now I can do the child support. I need more money, so I'm going to get pregnant again and get more child support. I need more money, so I'm going to get pregnant, more child support. All these defunct dads, and then they don't pay. And now all of a sudden she says, okay, now I'm going to go to the state. Now I'm going to go to the government. Get my extra money, you know, my Section 8. Get this, get that, you know, my free medical, my free this, my free... Look, sin begets sin begets sin begets sin. The opportunity to teach parents is not when baby girl is... 20, it's too late. It's when baby girl is a day old. Not even a day old. A minute old. Not even a minute old. Two seconds old. Time the the wet nurse or the doctor, you know, takes the baby, gives the baby to the parent. That's the time. Start teaching. Begin studies by example. To talk to a young adult, don't you dare talk to me about Jesus. I want nothing to do with Jesus because look at my life and this is a result of my upbringing. You're right. It's a result, 100% a result of your upbringing. And yes, a result of your upbringing into that Jesus. But that's an imposter Jesus. That's not the real Jesus. The real Jesus, whose word is above his name, loves you, wants relationship with you. You think, you know, when we think about the long suffering of the Lord, I mean, sometimes we think about the long-suffering of our Lord in connotation of, you know, people who haven't come to Him. But what about people who don't fully yield to Him? What about people who are suffering because they're yielding to the Word, they're applying Hebrews 13, verse 17 in their lives obeying and being submissive to a pastor and they think that they're applying the Bible but they're misapplying the Bible because it is also written how many other it is also written are there many 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 you see they apply chapter 13 Hebrews verse 17 Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls and they figure, okay, this guy's watching out for my soul. Let's forget the fact that, you know, the, the youth pastor having, having sex with teenagers. Let's forget that. Let's forget the fact that, you know, the, this pastor, so-called this, this guy who's watching out for my soul. 
Let's forget the fact that he's on his fifth marriage and his previous wives aren't dead. He's not watching out for your soul. The formula is wrong with him. Verse 17 is very holy. But the beautiful, beautiful formula, which is holy, you must see the fruit of it in the pastor. And when you see it in the pastor, a lot of people won't like him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you look at the fruit in the congregation. You're not going to find, you know, a congregation with 10,000 people. You're not going to find a congregation with a thousand. Probably not a hundred. Probably not 50. But you're going to see beautiful, beautiful fruit. I have something to say to the younger generation. If you're, if you're in a camp that wants nothing to do with a Jesus that has harmed you, which I have to say isn't the real Jesus, you cannot blame the real Jesus. And I don't say that to be an affront to you and, you know, arrest you to the point of like, you know, I want to argue with you. I don't want to argue with you. I want to reason with you. Come to the real Jesus. In the real Jesus, there is healing. In the real Jesus, there is hope. There is mercy. There is grace. There is love. No pain. Green pastures, still waters, peace, that surpasses all understanding. Rest. But the formula must be right, my friend. You say, I've already committed my life to Jesus Christ when I was 10 years old and I want nothing to do with him. Okay, I agree. Have nothing to do with that, Jesus. You commit your life to the real Jesus. And if that's you, if that is you, my beautiful friend, hit pause and listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. Because these days are evil. And God loves you. And in the midst of this evilness, don't be overtaken. Don't succumb to this darkness. Come to the light. Where there is life. And life everlasting. Parents, now you see why the Lord Jesus Christ read letters. He admonishes with the millstone, the message of the millstone. Do you think he's happy about it? What he sees? He's not. Let's continue. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, we see this, but bring them up, which is 
to nourish, to feed, to train, to cherish, and to bring to maturity. Now, let me say something to my beautiful brothers who happen to be fathers, to my beautiful brothers who are not fathers who may one day be a father. The Bible doesn't say, and you mothers. All this time in our study in chapter 5 and chapter 6, you will not find, and you mothers. You will see in chapter 5, verse 22, wives. You'll see in chapter 5, verse uh, 31, you'll see mother, but that's like, bye-bye, mom. Bye-bye, mommy. You got to cut that umbilical cord. You will not find an exhortation here in chapter 5 and 6 that says, and you mothers. Very interesting. A lot of dads give the responsibility to their wives to bring up the kids. Now, I don't know what it is. It's the makeup of a woman, the way the Lord made a woman, a female. It's maternal instinct, some people call it. I know non-believers, even atheists, who beautifully, beautifully, beautifully care for their kids in a carnal sense. In a spiritual sense, the kids aren't, you know, they're, they're not prepared for the life and the life to come. But in a carnal sense, Kids who are well-protected people, non-believers, moms, beautiful moms who, who provide for their kids. They feed their kids. They teach their kids. They do. Now, they don't teach them the things of the Lord. But yet you see it's part of that. If you want to call it maternal instinct, so be it. But that's what the Lord put inside of women, females. It's written on the heart of females. And a lot of men in the church, they wash their hands of the child rearing. Oh, I got to go earn the bacon. I bring home the bacon and the wife, you bring up the kids. You know, look, it's your duty. And you know what? If we want to have a, like a million kids, we're going to have 10 kids. We're going to pump them out and all these things. And I wash my hands of child rearing. You know, wife, look, you do this and I'm going to go bring home the bacon and we're also going to have a boatload of kids and we're going to pump them out like crazy. We're going to have 15 kids and look, I'm not responsible for raising them. Oh, contraire, my friend. Verse 4 doesn't say, and you mothers. Verse 4 says, and you fathers. Yes, do not provoke your children to wrath. Absolutely. But then we see this other aspect of verse 4. To bring them up. To bring to maturity. To nourish. To feed. To train. To cherish. Oh, that's the wife's responsibility. Oh, contraire. Yes, women have this makeup inside of them. Yes, they, they have this nourishing aspect. But don't, don't forfeit men, specifically to men. 
Do not forfeit your responsibility to apply verse 4 in your life, in bringing up your children, in training your children, in cherishing your children, in feeding your children, in nourishing your children. Do not neglect this biblical responsibility and leave it to your wife and just figure, well, I bring home the bacon. Look, I, you know, I clock in at this time. I clock out at this time. I bring home the bacon. Look, I'm a man. I pay the bills. Look, I'm a man. I do this. Look, I'm a man. Look, I can do this. I chop down trees. Look, I'm a man. Anybody can chop down a tree, my friend. A lot of males in the church. but very few godly men. A lot of males in the church, they got the big arms, they got the hairy chest, they got the deep voice. But they're little tiny babies, little tiny boys. Godly men. Godly men. Oh, I bring home the bacon. I bring home the bacon. We're going to pump out baby after baby after baby after baby. The wife has to submit to me. We're going to have 10 kids. The wife has to submit to me. And look, she's responsible for bringing up the kids. She has to nourish the kids. She has to train up the kids. Oh, contraire. If that's you, my beautiful brother, repent. Repent. Repent before the Lord your God. Because it is your responsibility to bring them up. To bring to maturity. It is your responsibility. It is your responsibility to cherish. It is your responsibility, men, to train. It is your responsibility, men, to feed. It is your responsibility, men, to nourish. It is on you, men. Your wife, she can help. But the buck stops with you. See? She can help. And a godly woman will help. Not to compel my beautiful sister. There's no compulsion here. But is in the pudding listen to our study from Ephesians 5 when we were in verse 22 I think it's the second study in Ephesians 5 listen you'll understand and to my beautiful brothers don't neglect this responsibility Oh, but we're going to have, you know, 10 kids, 12 kids, and the wife has to submit and all this and that. And, you know, I want to be a sex head. And whenever I got this, then the wife's got to perform like this. And we're going to have babies like crazy and all this. And I'll bring home the bacon. Look, I'm a man that can chop down trees. Look, I got big arms. I got a big hairy chest. I got the deep voice. Look, I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm a man. That ain't no man, my friend. That ain't no man. That's a little boy. That's a little tiny baby. You have a responsibility, men. 
nourish, feed, train, cherish, and bring to maturity your sons, your daughters, and teach them well. See? And a godly woman will help you in that endeavor. But the buck stops with you, men. You see? He says, bring them up in the training, which is instruction and discipline. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You see? Remember, it's, and you fathers in verse 4. It's not, and you mothers. And you mothers. You see? It's, and you fathers. Now, do you remember when you heard us say, and when we were looking in the, the exhortation to men, to husbands, in chapter 25, verse 5, or, uh, 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 chapter 5, verse 25? And you heard us say that when you see this, this is the makeup of, this is like the recipe for pastors. And I'll say this again. When you see this, in a home, in our study, in chapter 6, verse 4, for the fathers. This is the recipe for pastors. The recipe for pastors. Because look at a dad in a home who has five kids who, yes, brings home the bacon, who, yes, trains up the kids, cherishes the kids, feeds the kids, brings them to maturity, nourishes the kids. And the wife is a helper, but the buck stops with the husband. Does this formula look familiar? Look at a pastor. A pastor could have co-pastors and elders a flock, say there's a flock of 30 people. And what does the pastor do for this flock of 30 people? Nourishes, feeds, trains, cherishes, cherishes, brings them to maturity. Elders, co-pastors, help them, help the pastor to that end. Help the pastor in that endeavor. Do you see the similarities almost... Exact similarity. Do you see this model in a home that can be applied to a church? Women pastors, come on now. Women pastors? That's not the model. That's not the formula. If you're a female pastor, repent and step down. You're bringing harm to the flock of God. I mean, probably in more ways than one. But you are absolutely bringing harm to the flock of God because it is not the biblical model. Now, you're going to understand when we get into the pastoral epistles to Titus and to Timothy, you're going to see what the home has to look like. 
And when you don't see this formula in the home, that ain't no pastor. We don't see that formula in the home, that ain't no elder. What do we see in the church today? Messed up home, messed up kids, messed up wives, messed up this, wife number one, two, three, four, five, no death. So you see, adultery. And these men who are at the pulpits. Wrong formula. It's wrong. Straight up, it's wrong. I'm just a messenger. I don't make the rules. I'm just a messenger. Hate me all you want. Hate me all you want. I, I still love you. And I do love you. But we have to understand what the Bible teaches. The word of God. The real Jesus. Not the fake one that says, okay, women, you know. You know, Me Too movement. You want to be a pastor? Go for it, you know. Let's ordain these women pastors. Let's ordain these, you know, these elders. So what if he's a sex head? Let's ordain him. This guy's a co-pastor. So what if his wife is crazy? So what if his home's a mess? He can stay a pastor. See? Knowing that the buck stops with the pastor. Not the head. The head pastor is Jesus Christ. But the head pastor, according to the flesh, the, 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 the you know, the, these titles, you know, people say that the head pastor, I'm the head pastor, I'm the head pastor. Knowing that the buck stops with this person and there's going to be stricter judgment on that person. And if the formula is wrong, if you're a pastor and the formula is wrong, <laughs> you're in major trouble. You see? I say women pastors repent and step down, but if you're a male pastor and the formula is wrong, whew, repent and you know go on hiatus. You might have to step down. But the formula must be right. You see? Verse 4 doesn't say, and you mothers. I mean, wives kind of have it good. Females have it good because it's just... just Chapter 5, verse 22. For males, you get the triple whammy. Because you get chapter 5, verse 25. And then when you're a kid, you got chapter 6, verse 1. And if you grow up and become a husband or a, a, a father, you get the triple whammy. You fathers in chapter 6, verse 4. Men have the triple whammy. Children, husband, father, boom. You know what that means? Men my beautiful brothers, my beautiful brothers in Christ whom I love. You know what that means? You are without excuse. That's what it means. Because you know, it is written. Now we understand Hosea when it is written, my people perish for lack of knowledge. You say, whoa, you're too hardcore. That is that is too hardcore. You are straight up crazy. That's too hardcore. You're going too far. Well, let me tell you something about the hardcore lifestyle. When you are in, in an extreme war environment, do you know who have the greatest 
casualty rates in extreme combat, those who are without training, a lot of body bags. Those without training, you see the highest casualty rate. Those with training, you still have a casualty rate. But it's far less. Why? Because they're trained and equipped. In times of peace, whoa, these guys are too hardcore. Whoa, these guys are crazy. Oh my goodness, they're going too far. Look how they train. They're going too far. They're going too far. Oh my goodness. Look, we just, we just exercise for 30 minutes. These guys exercise for 12 hours. These guys go on five day operations. No sleep for five days. These guys train hard. Look how they train. Look how they fight. Look how they do their hand-to-hand combat. Oh my goodness. This guy has a a, a black eye. This guy has a finger amputated. This guy has broken his arm. This guy is, you know, he's 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 got a, a, a black eye. This guy has this big gash on his chest. This guy, they're not even in war. This is how they train. But when war comes, when war comes, When the battle comes, the greater casualty rate is among those who are untrained. You see? Oh, you're too hardcore. You're too extreme. The war is coming. The battle is coming. It's here. You see? We continue in verse 5. In verse 5 and verse 9, we see bond servants, And in verse 9, we see masters. Now, depending on where you live, depending on where you listen from, I teach from America. We don't have the, you know, the servant-master relationship, but we do have the employee-employer relationship. You might be in an area where you do see, you know, slavery and servanthood and all these things, you know, servants. You, you might live in a culture where you do have that. A lot of similarities. Remember our study in Romans? Were you called while while a slave? Were you called while free? Remember? Listen to our study through Romans. You'll understand. In verse 5, bondservants. This is of the flesh. I mean, we're bondservants of Christ. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. If you so refer to yourself, I want you to be a bondservant of Christ, but that's your choice. But this is of the flesh, bondservants. I teach from America, and if you're in America, relations with your employer, your boss. We see this in verse 5, bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. You see? Not speaking of Jesus Christ, this is according to the flesh. Employ a relationship unto your employer, relationship unto your boss, your manager, those over you who who employ you. 
Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart. This is without self-seeking. Sincerity of heart, without self-seeking. The mindset, what's in it for me? That's not good. What's in it for me? That's not good. You see? A lot of people like to use what they refer to as leverage. Oh, I'm going to go to this manager and ask for a promotion. I'll go to this supervisor and ask for a promotion. Maybe he can get me here. And then I'll go to my direct supervisor and use these offers as leverage. Why? Because what's in it for me? Leverage is the way of the blind. Oh, I'm going to, you know, go here, go there, go here, go here, go here. And look at all this leverage I have. Look, I'm positioning myself. Look at all this leverage I have. Look, it's good for me. Look, this is good. This is good. This is good. But is it good? Because sincerity of heart is without self-seeking. I know people, men and women, who are obedient to their employers, their bosses, their managers. And they do get promoted. You know how they get promoted? Another manager will approach them and say, hey, I want you to be on my team. Another manager will come and, you know, several months later, another manager will come and say, hey, I want you to work for me now. Sometimes it's other companies that approach and say, hey, I want you to work for me now. Now you see male, female. I've seen them both. They move up the so-called corporate ladder. And all they're doing is being obedient to their bosses, obedient to their masters, obedient to their managers. All they're doing is being obedient, applying verse four in their life. And they're moving up the corporate ladder. You know what that's called? The hand of God. You see, the hand of the Lord. Because doors open. And this service unto the masters according to the flesh, which is with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart, no leverage. If you're of the type that likes to use leverage, it is carnal. It is carnal. That is the hand of man. It is not the hand of God. You know who's glorified? You get the promotions. You know who's glorified? You. Not God. Because you applied your hands. You know the ones who the doors just open? And I'm going to repent for saying this. But it's like magic. And I'm going to repent for saying that because it's not magic. It's the hand of God. But I say it's like magic to help you understand. Because sometimes, you know, I speak about the hand of God and people are like, well, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then I say, it's like magic. And they're like, oh, okay, I get it. I hate saying that. And I say it to help you understand. But I'm also going to repent because it is not magic. It is the hand of God. 
intangible in one sense, but extremely tangible in another sense. It requires eyes to see and ears to hear. A guy is obedient to his boss, a gal who's obedient to her boss. And boom, doors open. Promotion, 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 promotion. You see? I could go further and give real life examples, but I'm going to refrain. It happens. It doesn't happen often. It's not. It's it, in the church. You see the hand of man everywhere. And it hurts me. I don't like it. Because to see the hand of God requires eyes to see and ears to hear. But only the Lord can touch a mind, touch a heart. Deep down to the marrow. Now, you know, you could be a bartender in a strip club, a non-believer. You could be a bartender in a strip club. And it hurts me to say it that way because it's very carnal. You could be a bartender in a strip club, not be a Christian. And then all of a sudden you become a Christian. You believe in Jesus Christ. You can have a, a, a job that is in a wicked environment and you come to Christ and you yield to the word of God and you yield to the spirit and supernaturally something's going to happen where a week ago you had no problem being a bartender at a strip club and now it's painful to you. Now you just, you don't like it. You don't keep, you just have your eyes down. You don't look, you don't look here. You don't look there. You every. Every glass that you fill, every cup that you fill, it's like painful to you. In that, rejoice. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit saying, this isn't good for you. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. This is wickedness. And I don't want you here. Why? Because you're mine. When you were, you had you no, no problems being a bartender in a strip club. That's because you belong to Satan. No problem whatsoever. You helped him in his endeavor to get people hooked on the sex and the alcohol. And, you know, selling drugs on the side. Sex, drugs, alcohol, triple whammy. And when you belong to Satan, you, you had no problem doing those things. No conviction whatsoever. But then you believe in Jesus Christ. You go to work. And now it's pain for you, painful for you to be there and rejoice because that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, get out of here. Get out of here. You belong to me. This is where you were when you were in Satan. But now that you're in Christ, let's move on to green pastures and still waters. You see? And doors open. This is the hand of God. But what do we see in the church? Oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, look, I, 
I use this leverage, you know, I use this, look how awesome I am, I use this leverage over here, and I went to this boss, I did this, I went to this over here, and look, look at how I created this leverage, and oh, I want to rejoice, because look at what God has blessed me with, and oh, I'm so blessed of the Lord, no, 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 that's your glory, that's your glory, but the person who has, you know, is a, a, a bondservant unto his or her master, and I speak of an employer, a boss, where doors just open. Such a soul can rejoice in the Lord and glorify the Lord. But the one who does the leverage over here, and oh, look how awesome I am, I leverage this, I leverage that, leverage that. It's like a, a big buzzword nowadays. Oh, leverage here, leverage there, leverage this, leverage that. Oh, look, this is awesome. Look how awesome I am. Look how smart I am. All these things. Okay. That's your glory. That's your glory. Don't glorify the Lord in that. Glorify yourself. But the Bible also, it is also written, no flesh shall glory. <laughs> In the presence of the Lord, no flesh shall glory. I'm just a messenger. A lot of people make up these excuses. Oh, the... The moving, the power of the Holy Spirit that was for 2,000 years ago, what's not for today? Look, let's rejoice in the Lord. Look how good the Lord is. Look, they, the Lord has done this. The Lord has done that. Look, if, if you want to lock up the Holy Spirit to 2,000 years ago and you want to rejoice in the Lord and you want to glorify the Lord and how you perceive the Lord is moving in your life and this and that, and yet you're, you know, you're restricting the Holy Spirit to 2,000 years ago, be very careful. You can absolutely glorify yourself. And people say that all the time, oh, look, we glorify the Lord. Look, Lord, I glorify your name. And when things go south, they say, oh, I'm being attacked by Satan. Oh, Lord, what are you doing? They don't like to look in the mirror and place the blame at themselves. You see? That's, I'm just a messenger. I'm just a messenger. Hate me all you want. I'll still love you. Take 100% of your hate and anger and place it on me. Never place it on Jesus Christ. Put it on me. Put it all on me. You see, but when the blind follow the blind, both fall into a ditch. What do we see in the last days? A lot of Christians in the ditch, heading towards the ditch and in the ditch. But it is prophesied to happen. This sincerity of heart, the bondservant unto master or a, an employee unto employer, being obedient in verse 5, to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling. In sincerity of heart. And this is a big deal. <laughs> As to Christ. Whoa. You see? Think of a kid. A young boy, young girl. 
who has been taught from a young age. In chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. A child, since age, early, 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 10 years old, mom says, hey, take out the trash. Okay, mom. Hey, son, do the dishes. Okay, mom. Dad, hey, clean your room. Okay, dad. Okay, pops. Then all of a sudden, day one at his first job, day one at her first job. And it's a piece of cake. Why? Because the child has learned obedience. The child has already learned how to submit himself, how to submit herself in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. You see? He's not going to seek a job being a bartender at a strip club. Why? Because he's righteous. It's easy for him to do these tasks because he's already learned to submit to his parents and obey his parents. And now he gets a paycheck. (laughs) You see? Now he gets a paycheck. Now she gets a paycheck. You see? And this sincerity of heart, which is without self-seeking, is as to Christ. And a lot of adults never learn this. They join the unions. If you're a union member, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But that mentality is dangerous to the Christian. Anti-employer. There's already... if, If we were in 1915... I teach from America. If we were in 1920 America, I could understand, you know, like, wow, you know, these these employers, they're like really mistreating us. And this man, I mean, people would go to work and die. I mean, you certain industries, people go work at the factories, go in the mines, go in the the, the, the piers and, you know, they go to work and die. Not from the mobsters, not, not from the teamsters, from the employer, from the labor. But that's, that's 1915, 1920. Today, the union mentality is very dangerous to the Christian. Because you take the union mentality, the teamster mentality, and I love you. If you're a teamster union member, I love you. This isn't to say, hey, leave the union, but be careful with that mentality. I mean, you might have a union job, probably a good paying job, but be careful with that mentality. Don't share in those certain endeavors, which is anti-employer. We already have laws on the books. But you take the union mentality and you try to marry that with verse 5. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart, which is without self-seeking as to Christ. Now you take the union mentality and apply verse 5, it's like oil and water. It's, there's a disconnect. It doesn't fit. Now, you might have a good paying job. You might be a union member. But you have to understand in obedience to the greater covering, which is Jesus Christ, you still render obedience to your master, to your employer, to your boss. 
Yes, the other union members, they might say, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to strike. You know, we want more benefits. We want more pay. We want more this. We want more that. And you're thinking like, man, we are, I already got good pay. My benefits are already pretty good. You have to make a choice. Which camp are you going to be in? And you have to make a choice to honor the Lord or bring dishonor to Him. You see? And I love you if you're, if you're union, teamster, non-union. I love you. Blue collar, white collar. I don't care. I love you. But we have to understand what the Bible teaches. You see? A lot of people, oh yeah, I'm going to use my leverage. I'm going to leverage this against this and that, that, this. And look how awesome I am. Glorify yourself. Don't glorify the Lord. You can't. Glorify yourself. Yeah, go ahead. Look, you're awesome. Go. Go. I mean, I get it. You got a good paying job. You're awesome. But don't glorify the Lord. Glorify yourself. Your union have, oh, look, we picketed, we did the strike, and look, now we're getting more pain, now we're getting more benefits, and look, look how awesome we are. Oh, look, God is good to us. Look, I got more money, I got more benefits. Look how we leveraged this. The employer couldn't do this because we weren't working, and look, we, we applied this leverage, and now we got more pay, more benefits. Oh, look how God has blessed us. Let's glorify the Lord. No, 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 no. Glorify yourself. Don't glorify the Lord. You can't glorify the Lord in what he says not to do. You can glorify the Lord in what he says to do. But when you attempt to glorify the Lord in what he says not to do. And Paul, remember Paul to Corinth? He says, do I praise you in this? No. Do I praise you in this? No. Do I praise you in that? No. He says this in verse 6. Not with eye service. You know, when the boss is looking. Oh, I'm going to work my tail off. I'm going to work, you know, my hands to the bone. I'm going to work and work because the boss is looking. Well, when the boss goes away, I'm going to take a nap. I got my bed over here. I'm just going to take and roll out the mat and I'm going to sleep. Not with eye service. Because... What is the state of a man or a woman when the boss isn't looking? Integrity. It speaks of integrity. Few have it, many don't. Who am I when nobody is looking? I'm going to work hard. Even when nobody is looking, even when my boss isn't around, I'm going to work my tail off. I'm going to work as unto the Lord. The Lord sees it. And how this can grow the faith of a man or a woman in integrity unto him, integrity unto a boss, it teaches us to be have integrity towards the Lord. Because we think, wow, a lot of men, 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 women too, but mostly men, have problems with pornography. Pornography, men. They figure, well... Nobody's looking so I can get away with it. 
Look, my family's not home. My wife isn't home. My kids aren't home. Oh, look, I'm going on a business trip. Nobody's with me. Wife isn't with me. Kids aren't with me. Look, I'm all alone. Nobody's watching. Oh, contrary, men. The Lord is watching. And he sees. Does he have integrity or not? He sees. But even integrity can be a learned thing. How? Of course, children with their parents. Oh, mom and dad aren't here. Mom and dad aren't here. Mom and dad don't like this. Mom and dad aren't here. And because they don't like this, I want to honor the Lord in honoring my parents. So I'm not going to do this. Mom and dad aren't watching. No big deal. Because I want to be a young boy of integrity. I want to be a young girl of integrity. Mom and dad aren't here. But I know the Lord sees and I want to honor him. You see, a young child can learn integrity. But absent of that, of godly child rearing, the child learns nobody's watching so I can get away with it. The kid grows up. Oh, the boss is watching. They get their job. The boss is watching. I don't like my pay, so I'm going to strike. I don't like my pay, so I'm going to leverage, 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 leverage. Boss is watching, so I'm going to work hard. Boss isn't watching. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to go to sleep. And such a person never learns integrity. Why? Because it was never taught from a young age, age 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You see? Now you understand when Amos, remember Amos, the prophet Amos, he says, I'm no prophet nor the son of the prof- of a prophet. And the Lord says, Amos, you're a prophet. <laughs> Amos was a shepherd in another's flock. The flock wasn't even his. And yet he was working as to the Lord, even when the, the owner of the flock wasn't around, tending the sheep, tending the flock. And because he had integrity, Amos, before he was called of the Lord, you know, I know my master's not here. I'm a bondservant to the master and I know my boss isn't around, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go to sleep. I'm not going to leverage against this other master and say, well, you know, master, give me more, more money. I want more pay. No, the Lord saw. Wow, this guy has integrity. Amos, who I formed in his mother's womb. And he's a bondservant to this rich guy who has put him in his employ to tend his flock. And look, he's not going to sleep. His master's on the other side of town. And look, Amos isn't going to sleep. Amos isn't, you know, disobedient to his master. That's a recipe that I can use. Now I'm going to use him. 
He's a shepherd of the flesh. And I'm going to use him as a shepherd of the spirit. And the flock is Israel, my people. You see? When you hear me say that this is the recipe for pastors, someone who works unto his boss, works unto her boss as unto the Lord, the Lord sees, man, look, that guy has integrity. He's working as unto me, unto his employer. I think I'm going to call him into pastoral ministry. I'm going to call him into elder ministry. You see? He doesn't leverage, no leverage with this guy. I open doors for him. This gal does the same thing. The formula has to be right, remember. No pastoral ministry for her. But I'm going to use her to teach. She's a good teacher. She has integrity. She's faithful. You see? Look at all these things that we've studied. And all these opportunities that we have in the worldly environment. The workplace. But yet the Lord uses it to teach us, to show us, to train us. But this training that the Lord does for us, it's not just in the workplace. It's also in the home. Because a child can learn integrity unto the Lord by being having integrity towards the parents. Godly parents, no manipulation, but training and teaching in the ways of righteousness. Greasing the skids, so to speak, for the next generation of righteousness, making it easy for the next generation of righteousness, as opposed to greasing the skids into wickedness, which many parents do. Greasing the skids unto wickedness. It happens through many, many avenues, carnality, hypocrisy, wickedness itself in the parent. But the Lord didn't call me to teach the dead. I teach the living. In hearing what we study today, if there's any conviction, you're listening and you're like, man, you know, I'm a teamster and I do this. I, I do the leverage against the, the, the employer and I do this. What do I do? Does that mean I'm going to burn in hell? No. Well, depending on other things, you know, you have to make sure you're abiding in Christ. But remember, just like we studied in chapter 4, in verse 13, that we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. I don't want you to be 
spiritually speaking, I don't want you to be in preschool and stay in preschool. I don't want you to be in kindergarten and stay in kindergarten. I don't want you to be in first grade and stay in first grade. I want you to go from preschool, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and, and on to perfection. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. In verse 14, chapter 4 of Ephesians, that we should no longer be children. You see, we move on. We grow. We mature. We must. We. We. Koinonia, the ecclesia, must rid ourselves of the carnal nature. That's called to reckon the old man dead, to reckon the old woman dead, to carry our cross, which is an instrument of, of death. And in so doing, anyone can proclaim male, female, when I say anyone, male, female, who has reckoned the old man, old woman dead, carrying the cross, the instrument of death. Such a soul can say, I am crucified with Christ. You see? You have carnal believers. An abundance of the flesh, the works of the flesh, the sex heads, the drugs, the alcohol, all these things. Oh, I am crucified with Christ. Hold the phone. I don't see crucifixion, my friend. You need to repent. Repent, 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 and sin no more. You see? If you're listening for the first time, you haven't gone through our study through the Corinthians, purpose in your heart to listen to our study through First and Second Corinthians. You'll understand more about maturing in Christ. And in listening at any point in any of our studies, if you feel that conviction, don't run away from that conviction. That conviction leads us to our knees. And in so doing, we repent. Lord, forgive me. I'm a teamster. Lord, forgive me because I use all this leverage against the employer. Forgive me, Lord. Lord, I'm a bartender in a strip club. I, I thought it was fine before, but now that we study, now that I read this and I was fine with it before, but now I realize you have issues with it, Lord. And I don't want, I don't want to be a vessel of disobedience unto you, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, I repent. And help me find another job, Lord, because I'm going to quit. I don't want to be a vessel helping people with their sexual sin and their alcoholism and, you know, the drugs on the side. We got the slot machines over there in the corner. I don't want to help them with their gambling. I don't want to be a vessel of Satan. I want to be a vessel of you, Lord. When you abide in Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, do you think he won't hear you? Do you think he won't hear you? He does. But you abide in the real Jesus, the fake Jesus? <clears throat> Garbage. A trap, a trick of Satan. The fake Jesus. Oh, you know, he wants you to, oh yeah, go ahead, you know, go lay on these graves. 
You know, this pastor says to go lay on the graves, you know, do the grave soaking, get the big global ministry, you know, global ministry. Look, they got all these books, they got all these music and they want you to lay on graves. You know, let's, let's not, let's forget the fact that it's an abomination. You pray to that, Jesus? Yeah, he might give you a little, little something over here, a little something over there, just to keep you trapped. But that's exactly what it is. It's a trap because he wants to drag you to hell. But the real Jesus, when you abide in him, do you think he won't hear you? Because the real Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. A lot of Christians are abiding in the other Christ that the real Jesus warns about. And they pray to him and they don't get an answer. And then they just figure, well, he didn't hear me. Well, he doesn't respond to my prayers, so I guess he's not real. That's what happens. But the real Jesus, he hears prayers. You and me, we abide in him, which is a choice. And so we see in verse six, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Oh my goodness. The Lord wants me to treat my employer like, like it's him. He says in verse 5, bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. But in verse 6, he says, but as bondservants of Christ, what? Because when you're obedient to your boss, your employer, you're learning. The same way a child learns obedience to his parents, to her parents. The fact is that she's learning to obey, learning obedience, learning to submit himself, submit herself to a greater authority. Parents can grease the skids to Christ and to an employer. Kids, first job, 15, 16 years old, first job. The boss says, hey, I want you to take out the trash. No big deal, boss. I've been doing it my whole life. No big deal. Boss, you want me to sweep the floor? Yeah, I want you to sweep the floor. Okay, boss, no big deal. I'll sweep the floor. Boss says, okay, go wipe the tables. Okay, boss, no big deal. Working as unto the Lord with a big smile on his face, on her face. Why? Because when he or she was doing it as an, a 10-year-old in obedience to the parents, when he or she was doing it at age age 10, it was free labor, so to speak. (laughs) It was free. But she was learning. Now, he or she is doing it at age 15, exactly what the boss says, and getting a paycheck, a little added blessing of money that he or she can put in the bank gets a promotion, the Lord opens doors, gets a promotion. He or she's a manager, he or she becomes owner, he or she becomes partner. 
The whole time, no leverage, no carnal leverage, no wicked leverage, no uh, uh, earthly hands, no leverage. It's all the Lord opening doors. Now she's owner. Now he's owner. She's partner. He's partner. She has understood, you know, how to obey, how to submit himself, herself to parents at a young age. Now to uh, 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 an employer. And in so doing, the Lord is teaching obedience unto him. With treasure, absolutely. But it's not in this world. You see? A treasure that is not of this world. And now a child who has learned to how to submit himself or herself unto the parents. Working at age 15. Has already learned submission and obedience. And then all of a sudden, you know, is manager at age 22. Uh, the Lord is continuing to open doors and now he or she is partner, is owner at age 30. And there's treasures on earth. Which is, it's carnal. But a greater lesson is being taught. That submitting oneself unto the Lord. There are absolutely treasures, but the treasures are not here. They're in heaven. You see? And from an early age, parents can teach this to their kids. You see, preparing that next generation of righteousness for what? The promised land, paradise. You see? He says in verse 6, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as, as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. You see? Now, it's not submitting to a boss that says, you know, hey, I want you to go, uh, 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 we're out of crack, so go to the supply house and buy some crack from these guys. No, that's wicked. That Don't have a job like that. You see? Doing the will of God from the heart, you see. It's a matter of the heart. Just like in verse 5, sincerity of heart, it's without self-seeking. Now we see this with goodwill, which is kindness. Doing service as to the Lord. Not, oh man, my boss wants me to take out the trash. Oh man, how dare you? Look, it's nasty. I got to touch. There's maggots here. I got to touch that. No, you work as unto the Lord. Oh man, my boss wants me to clean toilets. Oh, I, I got to clean toilets. How dare you, boss? I'm offended, boss. How dare you do that? No, let's clean the toilet. It's with kindness. And a child can remember, you know, a 16-year-old at his or her first job. Like, man, my parents used to have me clean the toilets. You see? My parents told me all the time, take out the trash. And I remember when I got mad at my mom and she chastised me. Yeah, it was painful, but 
She said that it wasn't good to, to be that way, to be angry about it because it was carnal. It wasn't pleasing to the Lord. And so I learned how to apply kindness in being obedient to what my parents wanted me to do. And they never wanted me to go buy drugs. My parents, when I was 10 years old, they never wanted me to go buy drugs and buy alcohol and help them in their endeavors and wickedness. No, I had godly parents. And I learned kindness in being obedient to them. It was pleasing to be obedient to them. And I, I learned to be kind. I learned to be gentle. I learned meekness. You see? The 10-year-old learned that. Now the 16-year-old is, the 10-year-old is applying that, has learned that, that the 16-year-old is, has already learned that. And I was learning that more, is applying that more. And now gets the blessing of a paycheck, which goes to the bank, treasures on earth, everything obedient to the Lord. The kid's 18, moves out, gets his or her own apartment, honoring the Lord, everything honoring the Lord, because he or she has learned that. Parents aren't lording over, you know, the parental duties are over. The son or daughter honors the parents. Yes, I respect you, mom. I respect you, dad. But, you know, it's, 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 it's a different capacity now. You've taught me well. I respect you. I honor you. And I'm always going to honor you. But you've taught me to obey the Lord. And being obedient to him, I obey my master in this world, my employer, my boss. The Lord has opened doors. Look, I used to sweep floors. I used to do the dirty work. I used to clean toilets. Now look, I'm partner. Oh, good job, son. Good job, daughter. How did you do that? How did you do apply leverage here? Did you apply leverage there? Not at all. You know what I did? Nothing. I worked as unto the Lord and he opened doors. You see? Come on, let me take you out for dinner, mom. Let me take you out for dinner, dad. We'll go get a bite to eat. You don't have to pay anymore. I'm going to pay for it. And when your dad eats that beautiful, beautiful bacon cheeseburger, beautiful, beautiful french fries, and that's, that's a result of the Lord. You see? You apply the, the, you know, the leverage here, leverage there, leverage here, leverage there. And you have, you know, here, let me take you out for dinner, mom. Let me take you out for dinner, dad. Oh, son, that was a good hamburger. Son, that was the best hamburger I've ever had. You're welcome. Big smile on the face. You're welcome. Look at, look at what my hands have done. You're welcome. Look at what my hands have done. But just the opposite. No leverage here, no leverage there. The Lord opened doors. Used to sweep floors, clean toilets. Now is partner. Salary. Co-owner. 
Mom and dad, wow, that was the best hamburger I've had in my life. Thank you, son. Thank you, daughter. And the son or daughter doesn't say, you're welcome. The son or daughter looks up and says, thank you, Lord. You see, that's the hand of the Lord. Everything the Lord teaches us. And so we see this in verse uh, 7. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Very interesting because it's, you you, you have, uh, in, in verse 5 says, Obedient to the, the, those who are your masters according to the flesh. But then you have to look at it through the lens of scripture. It's like, Doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You see? Very important for all of us to understand these things. In verse 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Remember our study, study through Romans, you know? Or were you called while slave? Were you called while free? While slave, rejoice. While free, rejoice. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now you see how the Lord works. Now you see a little bit of how the Lord works. But how parents can Help their children in righteousness. And it's not just, you know, kid leaves at age 18, maybe 17. I mean, if, if kids could sign, if, if 15 year old could, could, could sign lease agreements and rental agreements, I would say leave at age 15. Move on with life. Let's get on with it. But age 18, kid leaves. Parents don't have to worry. Parents can rejoice. And the world better, the world better watch out. Because my son is unleashed. The world better watch out. Because baby girl, she's unleashed. I have trained her, I have prepared her. I have trained him, I have prepared him. And the world better watch out. You see? And I'm not talking about empire. I'm talking about the kingdom of the Lord. Warriors. The next generation of warriors for Christ. In verse 9, it's not just, you know, the the employer-employee relationship. It's not just employees unto the employer. Now there's the other side. What about the boss? What about the employer? And you masters speaking about the boss, the manager, the employer. And you masters do the same things to them. You see, reciprocity. Reciprocity. Not lording over. Not, hey, you know what? You clean the toilets and you're going to clean the toilets. You're going to work for me for 50 years and you started cleaning toilets and you're going to die cleaning toilets. Ha, ha, ha. No. 
and you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, not, hey, look, you do this, and if you don't, you're fired. You do this, and if you don't, I'm going to beat you. You do this, and if you don't, you know what? I'm going to give this other guy the promotion. That's threatening. The Lord sees. Don't be that way, employers. If you're a Christian and the Lord has, had, has you in a position where you're an employer, don't be a jerk. I mean, I talk to a lot of union people and they, oh yeah, my boss did this, my boss said that. Well, you know, there, there's one aspect of, okay, you know, if you're a Christian, let's, let's, let's apply this in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. But then sometimes there's valid claims unto the employer. Valid claims. Don't be a jerk. If you're an employer, don't be a jerk. You see? Employees who love to work for their employer. Employers who love to employ their employees. You see? Giving up threatening, knowing that your own master, capital M, your own master, Jesus Christ, also is in heaven. He sees. He sees. And there is no partiality with him. You see, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be an employer. And you pray to the Lord to bless you. You pray for the blessings of the Lord, but then you're a jerk to your employees. Oh, Lord, bless Bless my hands. I want, I'm a, I'm a boss. I'm an employer. Look, I have a corporation. Look, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. And then you talk to the employers. Hey, you employees, you guys, you do this, you do this. I'm going to threaten you. If you don't do this, I'm, when does the Lord, when does Jesus Christ threaten you, boss? Lowercase b. When does Jesus Christ threaten you? When? Now he presents you a choice. But when does he threaten you? When does he dangle, you know, oh, you want the blessings of the Lord? Okay, look, I'm going to dangle this and you got to follow. When does he do that to you? No, he walks with you. You, master, lowercase n, you do how the Lord does with you, uppercase m does with you. You do to your employees. You see? He sees. He watches. You think he's going to honor your prayers when he sees how you treat them? We're going to study these things in the prophets and the minor prophets and how the Lord says, listen, you have you regard iniquity in your heart? I'm not listening. You want to bring profane things before me? I'm not listening. That's what the Lord says. He never changes. You want to be profane before the Lord? Master, lowercase m. Do you think he's going to respond? And the Bible says here, there is no partiality with him. Remember, God is no respecter of persons. 
Oh, look, I favor the men. So look, these women, you guys clean the toilets and you're going to keep cleaning the toilets. And the men, they're going to move up to the executive level. You women, you stay in it with the toilets. With, with the Lord, there's no partiality. You see? Oh, look, this guy, I like him a lot. So um, he's going to advance in the company. Everybody else, you guys are stupid. No, don't be that way. A lot of people have complaints against their employers and they're right. They have an argument. They have a case. Woe is you, employer. Woe is you, boss, if that's you. Don't be that way. You have a boss that loves the Lord and fears the Lord. You have an employee that loves the Lord and fears the Lord. And the Lord blesses. Employee might clean toilets. But in five years, he's partner. She's partner. You see? No partiality. Male bosses with female employees. Okay, Everybody stay over here. They work on the toilets. They work with the toilets. They clean the toilets. But the pretty ones, the pretty females, they get to work over here. You see? Or female bosses. Everybody work with the toilets. But the cute guys, they get to work over here. You know what that's called? Partiality. And with the Lord, that's non-existent. If you're an employer, if you're a boss, repent, repent, repent. Repent, 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 repent. You need to be right with the Lord. And that is filth before the Lord. That is stank before the Lord. Remember, start thinking of your life. Remember the challenge in Leviticus? Start thinking of your life as an aroma to the Lord. And what is it that you want to present to Him? Stank? Our beautiful, beautiful, sweet aroma. What? What is it? You see, whether you're a child, sweet aroma, whether you're a wife, a husband, sweet aroma, whether you're employee, sweet aroma, whether you're an employer, sweet aroma. You see, these are Christians. This is the way he teaches us. We're going to end our study here. And I love, love, love how the Lord has had us camping for a while. On the wives, on the husbands, on the children, on the dads, on the employees, on the employer. And next week, Lord willing, we will study the subject matter of combat. Combat, spiritual warfare. To the people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.